Welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm Melissa Friedenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. Pearl Planning is a financial planning and investment management company located in Dexter and Gross Point, Michigan. We work with clients all around the country. The purpose of our podcast is to explore specific financial topics and provide advice you can use in your everyday life. Welcome back to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. It's Melissa Joy here today, and I'm so pleased to be joined by Marina Hernandez. She's an enrolled agent and certified financial planner, investment manager, and international tax advisor specializing in advising Americans who live in Switzerland and Swiss families living in the USA. She's the founder of MH Tax, a tax advisory firm and an investment advisor representative with Dynamic Wealth Advisors. They do business as Swiss American Wealth Advisors. And she loves providing international tax education through her blog, The Cross Border Planner, and as a guest lecturer at the Global Financial Planning Institute. Marina, that's a lot. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Melissa. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm so glad that you're joining us today. And guess what? Based on that, you know, like uh, distinguished resume, we're going to be talking about cross-border planning or planning for living overseas for Americans who um, have job offers or or have chosen to live abroad. And I think you're the perfect person to do that. Yeah, that's fantastic. I started into um, the business and I decided to specialize in helping Americans living overseas when I became an American living overseas for the first time when my husband got a transfer from his job um, to London. And we Ah. lived in London as a family for two years as expats. And that really opened my eyes out to all the complexities of being an American abroad. And eventually it became a change of career. I was doing corporate finance until then. Okay. And how did you then hone your home, your skills down to Swiss um, people living in Switzerland or Swiss people living in the U.S.? So the first thing I did when we moved back to the U.S., we moved to Miami, and um, there's a lot of um, foreign-born Americans in Miami and a lot of foreigners moving to Miami. And so I started, I had been working in corporate finance, as I said, it really wasn't very compatible with uh, the lifestyle that we wanted for our kids with my husband, had a very demanding job. And so I took a career break and decided that I need to change careers. And I went into tax because tax was the biggest pain point that we had as expats living in London. And Mm -hmm. so I started with my tax company then. And after a few years of working with my tax company, I started to get a bit upset about mistakes that um, I would see with um, clients that had uh, foreign income and foreign assets Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was a result of ill-advice that they were gaining from their financial advisors, where there were financial advisors in the U.S. or their foreign financial advisors. So I started to research what a financial advisor was, and I decided that I should become one. And so I did the CAFP program, and I became a certified financial planner. And a firm, I, I was planning on starting it on my own, and a firm that is based in Massachusetts that specialized in U.S. Switzerland hired me. And so I worked with them for six years and I really fell in love with the mindset and the type of clients, um, the type of families that choose to move to Switzerland. 
Switzerland is a place that is very low key and for people who are very outdoorsy and nature loving and um, and, um, and the jobs that tend to take people to Switzerland are very intellectually demanding. So there were like my, my kind of people, it was a really good fit. And over the years of advising them, I became really good at understanding the Swiss side of things. So when I decided to uh, go out on my own, uh, it felt that that's where I could add the most value. Um, by starting with um, a practice that would be team-based servicing clients because of, of the complexity that we're going to talk about soon, uh, hopefully part of this conversation. Yes. Um, I wanted to do it through a team-based approach with, with different team members serving the clients together with different specialties. So in, in our team, we have members that are specialized in all everything that is account resolution and issues with the accounts, uh, with the custodians. We have uh, team members that are specialists in investment management and building portfolios that are suitable um, and that are internationally compliant, which is something that we will discuss. And I, my strength is on the tax planning side and the estate planning side. Um, and so... Um, since I had all this knowledge on the Swiss side, I can really go really deep in what the most common issues are for Swiss Americans. And so I felt that that's what makes sense, where it made sense for me um, to focus my business. Well, I love Switzerland as well. We have friends living there now, and it's just a beautiful country. Um, there are a lot of foreigners living there, including Americans. Um, and exactly, I'm dreaming of, you know, hikes in Switzerland this summer, if possible. So, Oh, it's fabulous. I hope it's going to be possible. I don't know. I haven't been to Switzerland in a, in over a year. I was actually in Switzerland where the global pandemic was declared and I had to cut my trip short and come back. That was March 11th of last year. And wow. I haven't been back since then. Well, I hope that you can get there soon. Um, but I want to back up and just start with saying just generally, and I know it's very complex, but what are some of the considerations that an American family would need to think about if they either had planned to relocate internationally or perhaps in Switzerland, or if they're, you know, an offer comes up where they get the option due to their career job or the, um, instruction to relocate. Yeah, so let's talk about it in general, because uh, even though Switzerland is think it's like the seventh country that has an uh, exchange of um, residents between Switzerland and the U.S., um, the most common countries are Mexico, Canada and the U.K. Okay. So let's and there are a lot of elements that are common to everybody. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that really shocks Americans is understanding that even when you move overseas, you remain a tax resident of the United States. So the US is basically the only country, there's some other countries that have some limited versions of this, but to the extent that the US does it, it's very unique. It is um, a citizenship-based taxation, and this also applies to green card holders who tend to think it doesn't apply to them. A lot of foreign nationals living permanently in the US don't become US citizens under the wrong assumption that because they have a green card, is less sticky. The tax side of the U.S. is less sticky, and it really isn't. Mm -hmm. It's the same taxation. I tell them it's taxation without representation. So if you have the right to become a U.S. citizen, you should really evaluate doing that so that you have your full rights because you have the same obligations as a U.S. citizen. You don't get any limited obligations. But um, you move abroad. Most countries, when you leave the country physically, you cease to have a tax residency requirement. 
Mm-hmm. The U.S. is not like that. So the U.S. continue to tax its citizens when they are overseas. Maybe the most common situation is a two to three year foreign assignment um, mm-hmm. that you might that you might see, and you will continue to be taxed. The expat, the American family living abroad, will continue to be taxed by the U.S. on their worldwide income, and they will have to report to the U.S. government their offshore assets. And of course, their offshores are going to be the bank accounts that they have to open in the foreign country to have a normal life and the retirement accounts that they're going to likely open their employer overseas is going to uh, likely open on their behalf and make contributions to. Those are, of course, not considered foreign assets in the foreign country where they're living and they're necessary to have a life there. But the U.S. consider the offshore assets they have reporting requirements and really punitive penalties if you make mistakes in that reporting. So that is the first thing that is the most shocking uh, is understanding that. So I think it's really important to understand that the complexity on the tax side is going to grow exponentially. So if you're aware that that is part of um, the package right. of being uh, an American abroad, then it's a lot easier to manage because it's really fantastic to live in a foreign country. I wouldn't ever tell anyone not to do it because your taxes get a lot more complex. So how do you deal with that complexity? What are some of the either advisors or people that you should bring into your life? I know a lot of times if you're relocated with a corporate gig that there is some often some advice that you receive from somebody who's hired by the company, perhaps. But who do you need on your team to help make informed decisions or be aware of of what will change? So I'm going to start by the point that you made that because you're correct, and this leads to a lot of confusion many times or uh, of incorrect expectations It is true that many employers will provide some type of assistance uh, for relocation planning. And many times it includes the tax preparation. You know, the package that they offer would include uh, the preparation of the foreign tax return in the country where the U.S. expat is going to live and the U.S. tax return. So the families think, oh, this is great. They take care of everything. One warning I like to give um, expats who receive those packages is they need to understand that in those cases, the tax advisors, the foreign one in the in the country to which they're moving and the U.S. one, really work for their employer. They don't work for them, the employee. So they're going to be doing things in a way that typically generates the most benefit for the employer or is the most um, succinct and um, efficient for them. And it might not be necessarily in the employee's best interest uh, because in there's many options that you have when you file for a file and report for an income and sometimes even the assets. And it really requires doing planning and that's typically not included. So um, what you will see is, well, what I typically observe uh, or have experienced and receive feedback from clients is that they are really disappointed by the preparation services that they receive because they assume they were going to get advice and they assume that they were going to do planning for them. And that doesn't happen. It's just a mere reporting on the tax forms of the things that happen in the manner that is the most efficient for the preparer or the most beneficial to the employer. And that can have sometimes um, consequences for the employee that are not as good if their interests were also taken into consideration. So it's important to be aware that the benefit usually looks a lot better than it is. 
and to have somebody who reviews that as your advocate and can have discussions with those professionals is really uh, very helpful. So when you, uh, presumably you could be that planner and what would you be looking at that wouldn't be, what, what type of planning opportunities are there that the tax preparer may skip over? Yeah. So let me give you an example. So um, when you move abroad, there's a provision in the U.S. tax laws that allows, uh, and most people are familiar with this, allowed to exclude from U.S. taxation a portion uh, of uh, foreign earned compensation. It's called the foreign earned income exclusion. I I don't know if you've heard of it, but Mm -hmm. most people are aware of it. There's a, and that is the purpose of the foreign earned income exclusion is to um, avoid double taxation. There's also another mechanism that is the foreign tax credits that um, all can be used to avoid double taxation. So you pay tax in the foreign country on your compensation. You don't exclude it in the U.S. return, but you use the tax that you paid uh, in the foreign country as an offset on the income tax that you owe on that income in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And some there are certain situations where it makes more sense to take one or the other, depending on your personal circumstances. For example, if you have minor children and you would qualify for the child tax credit, you lose the refundable portion of the child tax credit if you use the foreign earned income exclusion. So if the tax professional firm that your employer chooses automatically puts you on the foreign earned income exclusion, they can cost you, you know, the $1,400 um, refundable portion of the credit time your number of children. And you don't know that you're giving up that um, benefit, for example. Another way in which the foreign earned income exclusion can be problematic is if, if the person is a good saver and they want to continue to contribute to IRAs, sometimes electing to uh, use the foreign earned income exclusion prevents the person from being able to make IRA contributions where that would have been possible. And in many times even continue to be tax deductible and recognize as tax advantage in the foreign country if they had used the foreign tax credits instead. There are a lot of variables that go into this because it depends on the level of compensation. Sometimes a foreign tax credit, sometimes a foreign income exclusion is still okay for IRA contributions. But if the compensation is lower than the exclusion amount, then it prevents the person from making IRA contributions that perhaps they otherwise wanted to make or would have been beneficial for them in the past part of the long term planning and building wealth for their retirement. Those are just two examples, but there's really lots of examples like that um, that really have an impact um, that uh, it really matters to understand where what are the long term plans of the specific uh, American moving abroad for that assignment, and then make a decision of what uh, positions are going to be taken in the return that allows them to build wealth as efficiently as possible for the long term, and uh, and not just that it's practical for that particular year at the expense of the future. That's really interesting, and obviously, not a bl- there's not blanket advice. You need to know the personal circumstances. You need to know the tax code of and rules um, of you know, two um, different um, entities. And so it, it sounds extremely valuable to have a coach like yourself who can, who can really look into the considerations. Yeah, it really can be. And also coordinating with a foreign advisor, because another misconception is, and this is one that I had, 
is, oh, the foreign preparer, since they're both hired by my employer, so the, the firm that prepares the foreign return, say, for example, the UK return if you move into London, and the firm that prepares the US return, and they're typically the same firm, they have right. the same name, <laughs> but they're really completely independent firms in the, on the inside. One is a UK firm and the other one is the US firm using the same branding. Uh, they don't talk to each other, so they might even take positions that are inconsistent. Uh, because they don't do that. Um, so there's a lot of work that really is extremely valuable in the coordination that is not necessarily going to happen. Now, if the if the offer is for a C-suite position, it's more likely mm-hmm. that they will also include some planning. But for the average middle manager or, you know, senior analyst or we, uh, the, what I see very commonly is people that work in biotech and tech, mm-hmm. that just doesn't happen. And so it's an expectation that it is happening. And then you find out by the time it's too late, which is why I went from tax preparation to tax planning. To That's why I decided to become a financial planner. Um, by the time you realize that things would have been done better, it's sometimes too late to change. And so having the advice from the get-go and somebody having talking to somebody about how to really um, understand what the benefits are and what the implications are after tax and long-term for that person considering a foreign assignment um, can be really, really valuable. That's That makes sense. And it makes sense why you would continue to kind of expand your scope as you, as you found areas that just were in a vacuum that were, that people were not receiving good advice. I'd love to talk about, to kind of expand our conversation beyond tax um, you mentioned that some people will, or many people working overseas will have some sort of assets um, that they're accumulating for retirement in um, the foreign location. How does how, how can you use those assets when you need them someday? How does that work? Yeah, that is a, an area that is very frustrating to uh, manage, um, mostly because I'm, so I'm going to talk to the most typical uh, example that somebody mm-hmm. who moves temporarily overseas, builds some level of assets of foreign retirement account size that is not too significant, and then they move back to the U.S. and they mm-hmm. don't know what to do with it. Oh, do I leave it in the foreign country just sitting there or do I need to bring the money back? Um, a question I get a lot is, hey, can I roll it over into my 401k? That would be fantastic. But unfortunately, the U.S. doesn't allow rolling over any foreign retirement account into a qualified U.S. retirement account. So the options are very limited. And the other thing that happens is that the U.S. doesn't even recognize as qualified many foreign retirement um, schemes is a word that they use in the U.K. And that sounds like maybe shady, but releasing that's a word that they use for for plan. So a retirement plan, they would call it a retirement scheme uh, in the U.K. And uh, it would it would be uh, a pillar two is the typical employer um, plan, retirement plan in Switzerland, where I um I have the most knowledge about and where I work with most clients. And to give you the example of between the difference between the UK where I lived and Switzerland is um, the Swiss retirement accounts are not recognized as qualified retirement accounts by the US, whether the UK has a very robust income tax treaty with the US, 
mm-hmm. because of the level of, of uh, international commerce and, and transfers that happen. And so many of the UK retirement accounts, you can make elections, they're called a treaty election that you have to make on the US tax return, or sometimes the reverse also happens, which we haven't talked about yet, uh, which in the UK, while you're living in the UK or while you're living in Switzerland, making elections with respect to the, your US accounts so that mm-hmm. they're recognized as equivalent, uh, qualified as they are domestically. So with the UK, you can do that and you can defer, you can you might be able to deduct the contributions from your US tax return to the contributions that you're making to that UK pension. You can you uh, are likely to be able to defer the growth in the account while the money is in within that foreign retirement plan, whether in Switzerland, you cannot do that at all. You don't get to deduct the contributions to your pillar two. Um, if you are um, a key employee or highly compensated, which is very common in Switzerland because it has a very high cost of living, and mm-hmm. that means that the salaries tend to be higher, then you're not able to defer the growth of the account while the money's in the account. So you have to, you, you get in a situation where you have to pay tax on money that you can't access. So it creates a cash flow problem. Lisa, you understand this well. Right, right. You have to pay tax on an asset and growth on an asset, and you don't have the liquidity from that asset to pay the tax. That is not you a happy to... time. That is a no. frustrated person. Yes, It isn't. And it makes it very difficult to be tax efficient in building your retirement assets. Now, with anything that is uh, complicated, there's a ton of opportunity. So most people see, will go like, oh, this is so frustrating. I cannot believe it. What a problem. And somebody like me sees the opportunity. Oh my God. And Melissa, you will understand this. This is an opportunity force. We can't do anything about the facts if there's no treaty that allows us to treat more um, beneficially the foreign retirement account. How can we make the most of the situation? And you know, Melissa, how important it is to have diversified types of tax assets for your future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you make distributions, how, how important, I'm sure this is something that you talked about with your clients. For you sure. Assets that are tax-free, others that are tax-deferred, and others that are tax today, but have the treatment of long-term capital gains, for example, where the tax at a reduced rate whether what you're tax deferring in an IRA is going to be taxed as ordinary income and what you put in a Roth IRA will never be taxed. So it is an opportunity to build something like that. So if you are working with somebody who understands how you can make lemonade out of those lemons that you have due to lack of recognition of the other retire of the foreign retirement accounts as US equivalent and qualified, so they don't have the tax benefits you can build your tax diversified retirement um, wealth. And, and that is something that we do a lot with our clients. And we are the right person who knows what they're doing might even find ways that you don't have to pay tax on those contributions, even though you're not taking the deductions by knowing how to use the rules in the tax code to your benefit. So my, what, what I have many times is clients that never pay any tax on the contributions uh, but then they are able to take them tax free because they're still building cost basis. That's what we call is that the price that you paid for the asset. So you don't pay tax again when you take it out if it was after tax. And so you never pay any tax on the contribution, but you can take it out as if you had. And that's really, it's a really excellent way of doing tax arbitrage. So you get the benefits 
of having built tax um, advantage wealth with uh, without paying any tax on those contributions ever. Oh, I that conversation is so fascinating. It obviously would be difficult to sort through and you can't just Google an answer. And I underlined, highlighted your comment with anything that's complicated. There's a ton of opportunities because I think that is um, where the beauty of financial advice really comes into play. When you have a thinking partner who's thinking ahead, who's thinking through complicated circumstances, and, and certainly you don't have full control. You can't wave a magic wand to eliminate a problem or a challenge, but having someone knowledgeable who can, who can think through things over time, which is exactly what you're describing in this this potential arbitrage opportunity is an extraordinary gift. Yes. And, and so what I tell everybody is don't make assumptions. Don't think, oh, this is problematic. Therefore, I'm going to hide it from my advisor or I'm not going to ask for help. I'm going to hide my head in the sand and pretend that it isn't and then deal with it. Well, I can no longer defer dealing with it because you may miss a ton of opportunities to really build something that leaves you with a lot more after-tax wealth than if you had ignored it. So never be afraid. The, the, the best thing that you can do is to go for help. One thing that I do, Melissa, because not everybody feels that they can afford to hire an advisor, but everybody really needs an advisor, is I have an educational website where I talk about many of these issues. It's called the Cross-Border Planner. It's a newsletter, and that is free educational uh, information for U.S. expats and some immigrants because I'm also an immigrant here, so I do understand how difficult it is to really um, get a grasp of how the U.S. system works because it's very different from the average foreign um, system. Um, so I sometimes talk about issues that impact immigrants, but there's a lot of free information there, so anybody who is considering maybe moving abroad and has some questions, they can get a lot of education uh, from that website, from the blog, for subscribing to the free newsletter or listening to some of the webinars that we've also uploaded there. That's perfect. We'll make sure to include the blog in our um, show notes so that people can access that and see the information. And also your blog is on your website. So they could also see your services because I know that there are people out there that probably are listening, thinking, oh my gosh, this is what I've been needing because they have just been receiving kind of that um, tax preparation service versus tax and financial planning services. Yeah. And you know, funnily enough, uh, a lot of the readers of the newsletter are uh, fellow financial planners, right? <laughs> so they read it so that then they can help their clients because a lot of um, what I think is really valuable, imagine a situation that you've been working with a client for 10 years and they have an opportunity to, to move abroad and you want to continue to help them during those two years, they might not want to start working with somebody else. And so I, there's a lot of financial advisors who really want to become knowledgeable on these issues to better serve their clients and continue to be that guide for them, their own, their advocate when they're abroad, and the person who can really coordinate and make sure that the new advisors, particularly the new tax advisors, are doing the job in the best interest of the clients. So they subscribe to the newsletter, the bridge was there, and that's help, help, that helps them. Sometimes they send me a note. So if you're a financial advisor listening to, listening to this, you can ask me questions. I, I love collaborating with other financial advisors too. Well, that's the most valuable type of professional I find is, are those who realize that the client is really 
the star of their, you know, of their movie. And when they need specialized advice, they don't have someone who is looking to give the best advice they can give, which might not be ideal, but can collaborate with other professionals like yourself, um, like tax preparers, like estate planners, so that the client really is getting multidimensional advice. Um, I love that collaboration and um, that spirit that you bring to your firm. Thank you. Yes, I think it's key. And, you know, there's more and more firms that think that way, which I think is fantastic. And and so, um, yeah, anybody who's listening, who's considering um, um, moving abroad and they already have a financial advisor, I'll be more than happy to talk to you and your financial advisor also if you think that they need some help guiding you better. Where do people find your website? What's the web address? So, uh, so the for the free educational website is the cross is crossborderplanner.com. Okay. And for my business website is swissamericanwealth.com. Perfect. Thank you. Because we haven't even gotten into estate planning, and you know, I'm sure there are varying considerations when you are temporarily relocated versus when you intend to make a foreign country your permanent residence. Um, and so I, I know we could have additional episodes and, and of course, um, we haven't even touched the surface of, of immigrants coming to the United States as well. Um, and I just think that it's a fascinating discussion and one with a global world that, um, is necessary more and more. Yes. Yes. There's that. Well, we could be talk. We could talk for months. Melissa, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I'll reserve the right to hopefully we can have an, a follow-up conversation someday down the road. But in the meantime, this has been enlightening. And I think that you've helped people to understand that there's a, the most important thing that I hope people take away is that there are, there can be planning opportunities where you think there are just, you know, barriers or frustrations or complications when you're living overseas. And I, I hope that um, this discussion has helped people to see that. Yes. And that's really what I hope, because I always want to encourage um, people to take opportunities like this. It's just, it's fantastic. I absolutely love being living abroad, being immersed with other cultures, giving my children the opportunity to grow uh, with uh, in in another culture, uh, become bilingual, and so if you have that opportunity, or if anybody has that opportunity, it is fantastic to take advantage of it. And so when you're planning a relocation, you have to plan. The logistics are enormous because you have to plan. You know where are your kids going to go to school? Where am I going to live? What's the commute going to be like? What's the work culture going to be? How do I adapt to all that? That can take a lot of time, and sometimes the financial side can be a little bit neglected. And that can lead to a lot of frustration later on. So doing pre-immigration planning as or, or pre-financial planning as part of the relocation planning can alleviate a lot of those issues and can make the relocation a lot more um, valuable also financially for the expats because the conditions tend to look really great in paper, mm-hmm. but then things can be a bit deceiving. But it's like, oh, they're going to pay for my rent. But then you don't understand that because they're paying for your rent. It has to be reported as compensation. Right. That's subject to social taxes in the foreign country and to income tax. And so they're really paying whatever is your after tax portion of your rent. And mm-hmm. you're still going to be responsible for the difference. So those are the kinds of things that sometimes get missed. So in paper, you, you, you may agree to a lower compensation package because you think it's covering things that you don't understand. You're going to have to pay out of pocket yourself. 
Well, that's perfect. I thank you so much, Marina, for, for sharing with us. And we'll make sure that those listening who know that this, this information applies to them, that we have both a link to your blog and your website so they can follow up with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome, Melissa. It was been wonderful speaking with you and I look forward to a future conversation. You can access our first two seasons of this podcast on our website at www.pearlplan.com or on Spotify. If you're interested in learning more about Pearl Planning, feel free to sign up for our newsletter also found on our website.